The Start On Demand. On demand. Ever grown a playoff beard? Worn the same socks through an entire playoff series? Remained standing for the rest of the game because when you got up to grab a beer, your team scored? As we get ready for Game 2 between the Winnipeg Jets and St. Louis Blues, we'll talk about the psychology of superstitions in sports. We'll head to Grand Forks to check in with Global News reporter Amber McGookin as the region got hit with another winter storm. We'll speak to a finalist in the Entrepreneur of the Year category for the Winnipeg Nightlife and Lifestyle Awards, which we are hosting on Good Friday at the Met. And which fashion trend would you like to die? McNabb has some anger to vent on a couple of fashion items. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Friday, April 12th podcast for The Start. The whiteout outside yeah. already. It's starting right now, but uh, that's courtesy of Mother Nature. It's not a person-made, mad-made phenomena. Just it in is time. Just in time. We're over 12,000 tickets sold for the big party tonight downtown. Wow. Impressive. So I don't know if this is going to slow down ticket sales or not. I suspect... It may encourage some people to come out, prove your mettle, show your worth as a beggar. Yeah, the snow isn't, I mean, we're not expecting a ton of snow today, but the wind is going to, well, it looks like the wind, well, today it's supposed to be up to 60 kilometers an hour. It looks like it should calm down early this evening. That's the early forecast. Well, which is good because the party and the and the game doesn't start till 8 30 tonight. Ugh. You just like, need to dress like past uh, my bedtime. it's Halloween, you know, when you were a kid. I saw someone tweet yesterday <laughs> or on Wednesday that the whiteout preparations are much like when you were younger. You would shove your yeah, your parents would be like, the widget coat goes on first, That's and then right. you put the princess dress nice and tight, like over top. You so, had to buy your Halloween costumes or make them three sizes. Right. Too big. So that's why jerseys are great. So you can put your winter coat on underneath and throw on your jersey. I'm not concerned at all. I think people will be out en masse tonight in downtown Winnipeg. Should be a, a blast. My phone's been uh, ringing off the hook. Texts all night. Are you going to the game tonight? Do you want to meet up? So you know the restaurants and the lounges and the bars and the pubs will be jam-packed. This 8.30 start time is really probably a good thing for a ton of businesses in the city tonight. It, it'll, it should really uh, prime people up for the game. It might be extra loud in the building tonight, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, no, you're right. That's a good point because with a 7 o'clock start often, that, that doesn't really give you a lot of time to get off work, get home, get changed, and then you're, that's just like you're racing to get everything you need done. Before you get to the game, now you've got time to relax a little bit, maybe stop in and, as you talked about, get some fuel to fuel your passion <laughs> and uh, and then head off to the game or the whiteout party. And then afterwards, it's Friday night, be what, 11, what games usually go, what, two and a half, three hours? Yeah, yeah, probably closer to three hours. That's the only thing on the back end, businesses on a Friday with an early game might have seen that business, right? Because you're not, you don't have to go home as quickly. But now, yes, now people like you, people like you, Greg. I mean, are you making it past eleven thirty? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the look. Of- <laughs> <laughs> people like you yes. should have been your follow up. What do you mean by that? I An mean, emphatic yes encroaching with- on 
a certain milestone. My voice says yes, but my <laughs> eyebrow says maybe not. <laughs> Only because it's, I mostly meant because of the 3 a.m. start time. Well, and I do, ha- I do have an event that I'm emceeing tomorrow morning, so I have to behave be somewhat yes. tonight. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's a breakfast, and I was just... I looked at the invitation with one eye when I got the speaking notes last night, and I go, oh, thank goodness. It doesn't really start till 9.45. So it's more of a brunch than a breakfast. So I'm very thankful for that. Now, there's a word I've been hearing a lot in the last 48 hours, I guess even 24 hours, Hoosley. Mm. Oh, my gosh. You know who they are, though, right? Refresh my memory. So they're the Ukrainian choir. You will see them at Gold Eyes Games do the national anthem at least once a year. They have a Ukrainian celebration once a year and actually where my wife works they sponsor that night at the Gold Eyes game so we're there every single year and they have been singing at Jets games for a couple of years now they're 5-0 and oh, the Jets are when Hoosley singers perform the national anthem and it is absolutely amazing Oh, oh sorry No, I, I tried to hit a clip I, I was trying to lead you right to and it I, and I hit it but Jeff Forte, do we need to take you out to the woodshed? I had it down. It's Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Take two. Uh, oh, they'll be in Jets jerseys tonight, don't you worry. You think so? Oh, they, the last time they were in there. Well, I'll put money on it. Let's put some money on it. How, How much? much? How much for charity? How much? How much for charity? 20 bucks. 25. I was going to say. Oh, well, let's go 30 then. <laughs> no, 25. <laughs> <laughs> so here it is 25 bucks. If the Hoosley singers come out in their Ukrainian shirts. I will donate $25 to the charity of my choice, St. Boniface Hospital Foundation. And Loren McNabb, if, the, if they come out in Jets jerseys tonight, you will donate $25. To Silo Mission. To Silo Mission. There you go. That's great. And Bob Irving tweeted yesterday, at Bob Irving, CJOB, Fear not, Jets fans. The Hoosley Ukrainian Choir is singing the anthems Friday. A series... Evening win is virtually guaranteed. See now, but that's, that's the what, problem. So Greg got oh, mad at me this oh. morning because I came in and said, "But come on, Hoosley, five-time champs!" Like, like as if they're the champions of these games. But uh, that's what people look for at at times like these. Yep. The little signals that might make you feel good going into a game or not so good. Yeah, but when you talk about it, you might be eliminating that. the fact that they are a good luck charm. You can't talk about the rabbit's foot in your pocket. When you carry it around, that defeats the purpose. That's your thing. And and I don't know if we should have been talking about this. So that's that's my one of my little superstitions, like saying certain words during the course of a hockey game when no goals have been scored upon your goalie. You just don't say that certain word. And I won't even say that word today in anticipation of the game tonight. You know what the word is. Just don't say it. Okay. I'm not sure that I know what the Starts word is. Starts with an S and oh. ends in out. Okay. Oh, don't, nobody should ever say that. Exactly. I hear that point. So we're actually bringing on a uh, psychology professor uh, later in the show at 845 to talk about the psychology of our superstitions, because I think there are some of us who, who I don't know if it's that we believe this might help our team win, but the, the things we do to make ourselves feel better 
It's like it's like exercising some control. I have no control. Obviously, I don't play. But you know what? If I put this shirt on backwards and Hoosley comes, woo! It's like the people who play the lottery with the same numbers right. every week. Those are my lucky numbers. Um, you haven't won in 37 years playing those numbers. Why are those your lucky numbers? Well, do we need a rabbit's foot to deal with what's happening in Grand Forks as we look to the flood? So we're getting a little bit of a dusting of snow here in Winnipeg and southern Manitoba, but not too far from here, they've gotten more. Yeah, we're going to head down to Grand Forks now where Amber McGookin is. She was sent down there originally to take a look at the flood watch, but that flood watch has changed significantly based on the snow they're seeing down there. Amber, uh, is it still snowing where you are right now? Yes, it definitely is. I, it's uh, blowing everywhere. It, like People here are going to definitely have to uh, brush off their cars this morning. It is pretty significant. It honestly looks like winter now is back here. It's um, There's snow as far as I can see, and it's still coming down. It's been coming down since about 4.30 yesterday. I don't know if it's been consistent because that wind has been so significant here. It's been blowing it seriously this whole time, and it's supposed to not stop until this evening. So, yeah, there's quite a bit of snowfall that's that's down here you guys are missing out on. Oh, yeah, thanks very much. We're missing out on overland flooding and water on streets uh, already and on the highways around Grand Forks into Minnesota. You uh, presented on your Twitter account yesterday a picture and some video of water overflowing at Oslo, Minnesota, something that we just haven't seen here in Manitoba. So they're, they're in a little bit of a different mode there than we are, Amber. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so they're still trying to figure out how this will have a significant impact on the flooding. I did speak to the folks at the National Weather Service yesterday, and they said specifically Grand Forks had this storm first, and they had it from what I understand, a little bit more significantly. And um, they were saying that for them, so Fargo had already crested in the river, so they were saying that this new um, precipitation will actually not go higher than their previous crest that they've already had. So for them, it'll be like a second crest. Here in Grand Forks, it's supposed to crest sometime later today or on Saturday, so it will add to that. But they're expecting that this um, snowfall is only going to start turning into liquid over the next week. So they're still figuring out what kind of impact this is going to have. Thankfully, um, a lot of communities are very prepared. And here in Grand Forks, for example, they're prepared up to 60 feet of um, their river going up, and it's only expected to be 48 feet. So even if it goes up a little bit more, they're not worried yet. So there are some communities, like you're mentioning on my Twitter also, they, from what I understand, had to close off some roads. Like you could see in my Twitter video, water was going over, and they might be feeling it a bit more. But from what I understand, everyone out here has been really prepared and and knew this was coming. They were saying, you know, we're lucky here, you know, in the prairies and, and that we can actually see the, the flood coming. We don't get those flash floods. So everyone's feeling pretty prepared down here from what I've been hearing. And their mood then, Amber, you know, I think we're kind of a hardy bunch and we're used to this and we prepare for that each spring. Is there anyone saying to you that they're surprised or worried about where this can go or is the mood right now? You know what? We can handle this, it feels like. Yeah, everyone's feeling pretty confident that I've spoken to. Some people were just surprised seeing that the water has risen so quickly. I talked to a couple that was in a park that we were at here in Grand Forks, in downtown Grand Forks, and they had kind of come down to just see how bad it was. They had been there a week before, and they said they just couldn't believe how quickly, how quickly it had gone up. So they were saying about a week ago, you could walk on, you could walk along some of these walking trails that were now covered by the river. And, and so you, so for them, they were just surprised how quickly it has gone up. I think 
most people are not really really worried about their homes here in Grand Forks specifically no homes have needed any sandbags so there hasn't been that type of risk but just surprised at how quickly it's risen and many saying they hadn't seen it this high in five or six years so they were just surprised to see it that way but everyone's feeling pretty confident who I've spoken to um, over the last few days. Amber we've got about 60 seconds here and Winnipeg we have the floodway to help control the Red River and to take that water around the city. What did they do in Grand Forks in terms of trying to control the Red River for those that have not been down to Grand Forks? Well, they spent about $400 million after the 1997 flood to build this significant wall and it goes along the Red River to protect the community of Grand Forks and what people don't know is underneath there there's a giant um, they've got a whole system working underneath with pumps and levees and wells to get that water out of there and um, it's really uh, amazing the the wall looks kind of like a park wall but when they put up the temporary walls which you could see kind of in my report yesterday it completely encloses the the space so it's a pretty substantial wall and that's their main thing and it did cost them a lot of money so that's their main flood protection so they're they're prepared over here in grand forks all right amber mcgookin global's amber mcgookin joining us live from grand forks thank you very much amber let's look once again to hockey Winnipeg Jets look to get back on track with a win in Game 2 of their Round 1 series with St. Louis. Do we need to remind you what happened in Game 1? Here's Blake Wheeler with the very concise recap. Yeah, you know, they scored a goal to tie the game, and then they scored another goal to, to win it late. But why, why did that happen? Why, is, why are the Jets seem to have this pattern of, of losing their leads in the third? Um... I think it's just a strange coincidence, my friend. I love that. I love that. That's like that 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 meme that goes around with for people who aren't into sports. Yeah. They're, they're like, well, the the, the one team outsported us. Uh, uh, they, they 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 the other team got more points than we did. It was Jeff Braun yesterday in the in the newsroom. We were talking about what happened, and I overheard him say uh, they got the second goal. <laughs> That's it. They got the St. Louis and, got more goals than the Jets. And I, and I was like, it's factually correct. Correct. <laughs> so the Jets captain was very talkative after practice yesterday and put the game one loss into crystal clear context. Who was the last team to go 16 and 0 in the playoffs? Has it ever happened? So we didn't expect to do that. Plenty of observers looking at tonight's game as a must-win. Once again, Mr. Wheel puts things into a hockey player's way of thinking. The the good teams find a way to, to manage those those emotions. Um, the team that won it all last year was a crossbar away from going three nothing in the first round. You know, Tampa set. I mean, they tied the NHL record for for wins this year, and they're down 0-1. There's so much parity in the league that you, you can't. You know, if you're going to be devastated by a loss or even two losses, you have no business expecting to win a Stanley Cup. So how we're going to manage that is is we're going to learn from, you know, the things that we did well last night, some of the things we can do better tomorrow night to, to try to get the outcome we're looking for. Um, show up excited, show up and, and, and work, uh, work the way our team knows how to work. And if, God willing, we, we aren't able to win that game or we win that game, you know, we're going to manage it the exact same way going into St. Louis. So clearly, uh, you know, we'd like to leave tomorrow night 1-1 going into their building. Um, but there's so many things you can control, and we're going to control all those things, come with the right attitude tomorrow night and just work our tails off. We think that's going to be enough. Okay, coming with the right attitude tonight. So now that we're all breathing a little easier, are you? 
Usah. Did that make you feel better, Greg? Hey, you know what, Blake Wheeler, the, <laughs> you know, whatever Captain Blake Wheeler says, I'm, I'm down with it. All right. So Greg is in. The athlete mindset has made Greg's mindset a little better. So we're going to turn to the party now. On Wednesday, 9,500 tickets were sold. 8,500 showed up to celebrate the Jets and to celebrate Winnipeg. The number for this game tonight, even higher. True North Kevin Donnelly tells us how this brings us together. You know, it, it really does. And again, the 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 age gap and the kind of people, the sort of broad cross-section of people that were represented on the street last night just, just makes that point entirely. You know, young, old, new Canadians, you know, every, every demographic, every age bracket was represented on the street. So really, really fun. Just in case you are one of those people going to the game and to the street party tonight, Donnelly visited with Hal Anderson yesterday afternoon and reminded people that their game ticket has a street party ticket attached to it. What you'll get is you get a second ticket that gets automatically loaded into your digital account. It's part of the new technology, and maybe some people didn't understand. So you would get, uh, and so if you have a season ticket late in the day, because we want tickets have the ability to get transferred, we want the street party ticket to get you know, loaded into the final user's uh, phone. So a ticket, a separate ticket, is loaded into your account. You have to go to that account, you know, load up that ticket, and so you automatically get a free admission into the street party if you have a game ticket. And we had people come to the door that were showing us their game ticket, and we would explain to them, no, there's another ticket. We, We facilitated those, but there were people that didn't quite get all the instructions that weren't quite clear. So we're trying to get that message out. But if you do have a game ticket for in the arena, then you are automatically invited to come and join the, the uh, street party. But you do have to load that ticket and get that ticket scanned as you enter the street party. So hopefully that's clear as a bell now. The weather forecast, on the other hand, isn't terrific. But ticket sales for tonight have been, well, shall we say, dare we use the word brisk, selling even better than Wednesday. For the most part, people came, they behaved, they had fun, they dressed in white, and uh, it really was... Uh, I had I had texts and emails from Victoria across to Ottawa and Montreal, people saying how great the city looked on television. So no changes for our second one tomorrow night? Later start, and, uh, you know, more of the same. We are expecting a bigger crowd. That forecast didn't uh, make me very happy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we we are expecting a bigger crowd. Ticket sales are ahead already for tomorrow than, than they were a day out for last night's event. So uh, it's a possibility that we could sell out in advance and, and, and cap and have no tickets available for sale. So we're just watching as sales continue. And they are still continuing. So, you know, people are still excited. The environment was fun. When Line A scored, it was off the charts on the street out there. Hopefully we see some more goals. Um, can you tell us how many tickets you have sold at this point, how close to a sellout you are? Well, we're between about 12,000 plus right now, and I haven't had a, an update within about 90 minutes, so I'm guessing beyond that. So I'd say in excess of 12,000 right now, our footprint capacity is 15,000, and so we're just watching that very closely. So Donnelly also explained that should the Jets proceed or as they proceed through the playoffs, they have a 20,000-person footprint and a 25,000-person capacity for street parties as we get into May 25, and June. 25,000. Mm-hmm. 25,000. I think 23. I want to say 23 might have been the record last year. I can't I can't recall if it went past 25,000, but, but we're getting there. I mean, I'm impressed with this crowd coming out tonight. And that was yesterday, 12,000 is what the ticket sales mm-hmm. were at. And another thing that's super cool is $47,000 was raised in that first game. 
for United Way through those ticket sales. So now you have twelve thousand tickets sold. So you're you're if you hit fifteen thousand, you're hitting you know close to a hundred. I mean, hundred thousand total for the week. It's amazing. It really is. It's a, it's such a great community effort, and uh, for me. Uh, nothing represents our city better than these celebrations. Uh, you can get behind the hockey if you want, but even sports fans that are on the edge and those that wouldn't consider themselves traditional sports fans are really getting in to the hockey and getting into the celebration. Well, he mentioned the line A goal and how everybody, you know, uh, how excited everyone was. As much as the goal gives you shivers when you see the replay, it's the shot when they cut outside and everyone's doing that jump or like they've almost lost body control, you know, because you're just, you're just. <laughs> Flailing around like those blow up things that they put outside, like car dealerships. Like, oh my gosh, like I can't contain myself. So yeah, that gives you special. more excitement than anything else, almost. Mm-hmm. Does bad fashion give you joy yes. and excitement? Do you jump for joy I when do. you see the pack? I make sort of that <laughs> sort of bodily function movement that you were just exhibiting there, Loren, because I want to sort of, can I use the word hurl? I'm just about to do it. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Jeff Broad is here. Kelly Moore is here. Jeff Forte. And what inspired the conversation we're about to have regarding fashion? <laughs> well, I was texting with Kim Lawson last night, and she raised this. She, I think she must have been walking through the mall or something for lunch yesterday. And she's like, by the way, have you noticed? Kim Lawson's our uh, executive producer here. Have you noticed that there's all these fanny packs and all the mannequins? So it's not just, I mean, we were seeing them come back in the last few years. But now she says, I feel like every store I walk by, it, you know, it could be a dress, fanny pack. Suit, fanny pack. Like, why are these fanny packs making such a comeback? And so I struggled a few years ago when I first started seeing them because I hated that trend uh, in the 90s. I hated it. And when you'd see someone wearing it after it lingered, you're like, you know, like you can't be wearing that anymore, right? But I'm kind of intrigued because they're so practical. Well, yes, yeah, bring them back pockets. because it's practical. I'm telling you, in the summer, I got no room in my pockets to put anything. Get a backpack. Yeah, like I, I pretty much hate winter for the most part, but the one thing I do like about winter, or one of the few things I like about winter is the fact that I get to wear a parka, which comes with lots and lots of pocket space, (laughs) and once the parka goes away, it becomes a lot harder to stuff everything into your pocket. Jeff Braun mentioned the backpack. Cargo shorts, too. I love cargo shorts. But those those are passe. Don't care. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't care either. I don't care either. The Passe, cargo shorts are but great. Practical. I tried to get on a golf course uh, that I will not name right now with cargo shorts on, and the starter came up to me. You're not allowed to wear those here, dude. I'm like, oh, great. You don't want to give them your business anyways if they're going to be like that. <laughs> uh, well, I had no choice. Went in and had to buy a $100 pair of golf shorts. Ouch. I think that was the scam. No, just There are some golf courses that don't allow the cargo shorts. They're yeah. too sloppy. It's not gentlemanly enough. Yeah, I actually, I, I, on that subject, I skated by with that. I went to a buddy of mine golf set at private course, and I won't name it either, but uh, I was wearing cargo shorts, but they were like a gray sort of plaid, and the, the pockets, they didn't stick out as bad. They weren't big pockets, but he came up and said, you know, you're not supposed to wear cargo shorts. I'm like, no, I didn't know. Because I wouldn't have worn them. Oh, you didn't, you, know. You didn't know. You didn't know. Yeah, you're not like I that. I didn't know. You wouldn't skate by. That's not your thing. But, uh, but I got away with it. They didn't mm. shove me into the pro shop and make me buy. Okay, so the fanny pack. Our buddies down the hall at Power 97 have been pushing their fanny packs for month, Phil months. Phil Aubrey. I think mostly as I'm a joke. I'm blaming Phil Aubrey for this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Some of the fanny packs now, like back in the day, they were like neon and they were big and they were kind of like, what's that material? Like a nylon yeah. material. But you can, some of them now are super cute. Like they'll be like a brown 
leather with a nice strap. Don't try and romanticize no, it. The leather ones are sadder than the neon Why? ones. Why? Because it's trying too hard? Yeah, it's just like, oh, I'm, I'm not trash, I'm fancy. It's like, yeah, I'm you're still kind of trash. It's, yeah. it's, it's the, the trashiness was in the bulk and the size of them in days past. I think that they're nice now. You guys should have been around in the 70s Uh-oh. when we were wearing these bell-bottom flare <laughs> I like plaid, that. That's what should come back. pants. <laughs> Complete with either platform, boots, or shoes. Please tell me you have a picture in your wallet right now of the yes. 1970s. Never, it's yes. not in my wallet. You're never going to see it. <laughs> I'm, phoning your wife. I'm phoning your wife in about 10 minutes. Is she up? How big were the yeah. platforms? Good luck with that. <laughs> Pardon me? How big were the platforms? Uh, mine were probably, I'm thinking they were at least three or four inches. Wow. Was it, was oh, it hard to drive with yeah. And you and wore these? Gene and, Simmons. Yes, and they were these, we had these hideous plaid bell-bottom p- uh, pants. Some had jeans, but I remember my best buddy and I go, going to school in, in these pants. I look back at the pictures now and I go, what the <laughs> Please hell let me were see you them. thinking? You, no, white belt, Never. White belt and a velour it top. Mm, it's a wonder no, any no kids velour, were born no in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> no velour. Do you remember the velour sweaters that are, maybe, you're, maybe you didn't, you, maybe oh. you skipped that. You probably made your kids wear velour sweaters though at one uh, point. I never made my kids wear anything because they could not have been talked into anything. But I do remember I had these zip down shirts uh, exposing some of my hairless chest. <laughs> I can't believe my mind here. Please, you. Did you have a gold medallion or something around? No, the neck? no oh. bling. Oh. Did you have roller skates too? Did you like roller skate to work? I'm trying to remember. That would have been great. That probably did happen, but I don't. I don't remember that. The roller skating. As soon as I saw the email set out about fashion trends, you never want to see come back, boy. That well, was it. what went hand in hand with roller skates were the rainbow suspenders mm-hmm. and oh, the yeah. painter pants. Yes, in the night late 1970s, and I'm on Harper's Bazaar, reminding myself of some of the terrible trends of the 1980s, including the hammer pants. And how about? What are leg hammer pants? It's like if you had MC an enlarged prostate, it'd be the pants you'd have to wear to accommodate it. MC Hammer, he did his dance. Oh, okay, yes, down, yes, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I yeah, get it. Yeah, yeah. and uh, leg warmers popularized by uh, Jane Fonda. Please don't ever they, bring those back. Actually, I, the, I don't know if it's back, back, oh, but you definitely no. have. I've definitely seen leg warmers out there for sure. You gotta be and uh, me. shoulder pads have come back a little bit, even though they're Pleat, terrible. Pleated pants and double-breasted jackets are the things I'm worried about. Oh, yeah. The double-breasted jacket is flattering. If I watch old, I watch old, a lot of old episodes of Frasier, and just it just they were stylish guys in the nineties, and yeah. it's just hideous to look at now. Well, hey, I'm at Don it. Johnson. I also hate capri pants on man or woman. Yes. I hate them. I hate them. It's like, what is the point? So the ankle pant, sure, it's your ankle could be flattering. The capri pant is going to the worst part of your leg and saying, "Hey, I got wider right here. Take a look at me. Like, why? Speak for yourself. I've got green calves. I swear to you, if you come to work in a pair of capri pants, I will now. I've never worn them, but I will be wearing them now. I hate capri pants. (laughs) What happens if there's a poor? Defenseless mannequin in the mall that has capri pants. Do you just go in there and destroy front it? Kick. Just a good front kick to the capri pants. <laughs> One of our listeners is saying, I would rather see the fanny pack than the bra storage that people are using. We don't know anybody in this room that stores anything there. 
I, uh, I actually, and I know what they're saying because you know when you, like, if I go for a run, my phone, I'm, you're trying to find places to tuck it if you don't have a yeah. iPhone holder, like or to listen Cargo to music. Shorts. I've been guilty of throwing it in the bra, but never in the capri pants. Never in the capri pants, Kelly. Shush. Hello, hello. What is that? It's Manuka. <laughs> You ditched the fur? Yeah, I saw Jerry wearing his. He looked like a bit of a dandy. Check it out. Hey, Paul. You got a question. You asked the eight ball. You're going to wear this all the time? All sides point to you. <laughs> it all comes back to a Seinfeld uh, Friends or Simpsons episode and in our conversation about disasters on the fashion front, the eight ball was suggested by one of our loyal listeners. Had to pull that clip, so thanks for that reminder of of days gone by on Seinfeld. What else are we getting from 204-780-6868? Well, this first oh, one I had never heard of. What? The zipper pants. Oh, yeah. Zip around jeans. Uh, here's how the text says, my mom would not let me get a pair because she thought they were too sexy. I did get a pair of zipper jeans eventually, but just the, uh, had the zipper down the sides of the jeans. So these zipper jeans, there was two versions of them. And you had ones that basically zipped the pants or the jeans in half. Front to back, come on, or side to side. So basically, imagine one giant fly that goes from the front of the pant all the way back to the top of the backside of the pant, and that was a thing for a little while. <laughs> it seems like it would be treacherous to put on. It, uh, yes, the like the, the, I the think possibility you would do the zipper before you put them on, but still, it's a zipper in your. <laughs> Region. <laughs> I just don't think it's and not not above the region, but in the region. Yes. And I don't think and I can see how her mom was like, yeah, that's a bit too sexy for a little for a kid or a teenager kind of or a grown man to be wearing. Um, there's a couple of people who also agree with my hate of the Uggs, and I want to clarify, it's mostly on men, and I don't know why I'm making the gender discrepancy there. It just doesn't work for me. Mm. And I also like this guy uh, who writes in about, uh, if we're going to hate, he, you know the tradition, and I'm trying to find the text now, about the sweatpants. The sweatpants, uh, it was... Oh. I got it right I have, here. Go ahead. Uh, I have to tell you, this recent trend of sweatpants that are snug from the ankle to about mid-thigh, and there's this floppy space between there and the waist that looks as though it's meant for smuggling Volkswagens. <laughs> Those make me uh, face up every time. I kind of like that trend, though, because of all the exercise pants and sweatpants over the past few years have been really form-fitting, which, which might be good if you're genuinely exercising in them because that might be I don't know if that's helpful but I like the idea of putting on those sweats and just having all that room and the sweatpant was supposed to be baggy and so you could move in it yeah how about this trend people walking around in their pajama pants usually with Uggs a double bad luck gross Hoping, by the way, to talk about the psychology of superstitions. McNabb, you're sort of... I'm just giving signals because they mean... You're supposed to read my mind here yes. about what we're going to talk about. And now you're waving at me, giving me a thumbs That's up. That's a thumbs up. That's a good thing. We want to talk about the psychology of superstitions because we were... Who's singing at the anthem tonight? Husli, the Ukrainian singers. They do an incredible job of the national anthem. Oh,
There it is. So the Jets are 5-0 and oh when the Hoosley Singers perform the national anthems, one or two anthems. And so I'm a little upset that people are even talking about this. Lots of folks saying, hey, we've got the answer. Hoosley singing. We should be exciting. But we wanted to go down a different road with this and say, hey, wh- what's the deal with all these superstitions? That's right. Don Saucier is an associate professor of psychology at Kansas University and joins us on the phone now. Good morning, Don. Good morning. How are you? Well, we're, we're, I'm good. I'm excited this choir is singing tonight because I think that's a good sign. Greg thinks talking about it is a bad sign. We both clearly have our superstitions. Why do we honestly think this type of thing makes a difference? We, we think superstitions make a difference because we want to control our world. And unfortunately, our world is not very controllable. So what we do is we find comfort in anything that we think is going to lend a little bit more to our side of the, in this case, the game. Right. So if you think that the person singing the national anthem is going to make your team more likely to win, that makes you happier and feel like you have more control about the game's outcome. So when it comes to the actual outcome, have we ever done any studies to show, you know, you know, players have those superstitions, teams might have them, the fans might have them. Is there any odds in our favor that 70% of the time when we have these things, they work? Well, it, it's going to be nowhere near that much. And as a fan, it's not going to do anything. I mean, what, what I do at home, if I wear a lucky jersey or those kind of things, it's not going to help me. But for the players, if it makes them more confident, there's a possibility it's going to make them make better plays and they'd be more comfortable playing with their teammates and those kind of things. So from a psychological comfort standpoint, superstitions can be helpful. But for fans at home, it's really not going to make any difference except for their own psychological comfort. Well, and that's all that matters, though, right? In our own minds, it's about, A, how the game affects us, how the outcome affects us, and this this fleeting thought and just this small chance in the back of our mind that the, the fact that we say a certain word at a certain time, I don't know how big of a hockey fan you are, but when goalies haven't given up a goal yet, you don't say the word that is attached to the accomplishment. In baseball, you don't talk about a no-hitter. You don't talk to the pitcher. You don't even look at that pitcher if he's in the dugout and he's going after a no-hitter. So it's just that, that tiny little bit of, of control, that sense of control, that you're a part of it? Is, is, is there a, a, an element of that as well? Oh, absolutely. And then you can feel part of the success. So you can say the reason my team won is because I wore my lucky jersey. And it's a really, really easy, no-risk, low-effort way to make yourself part of that success. You can take some of the glory. By the way, the Economic Development Winnipeg says they are all sold out for tonight's street party. All 15,000 tickets are gone. Now, Don, when it comes to superstitions, some of the superstitions that players will do are kind of gross. Like when you hear about guys who wear the same pair of socks <sighs> for an entire series run or entire playoff run, like that, that can't be a good thing for their health, I would imagine. <laughs> Oh, it's absolutely gross, and it's probably not great for their actual physical health, but it might be good for their mental health while they're playing. And a lot of players are going to say they're going to take that trade-off. Why do we do this? How far back do we go with superstitions? Is this from the dawn of time, basically, that we, you know, if we rub two rocks together a certain way, or the black cat theory and all that kind of stuff? Oh, absolutely. Superstitions have been around for millennia. The, The issue is we think that the behaviors that we do affect later outcomes. And sometimes we're right and sometimes we're wrong. And we've been trying to do that throughout human history. I always wonder what it would have been like on the planet the first time human beings encountered that first solar eclipse and how many uh, sheep and and other animals and and other human beings might have been sacrificed. And then that's how that becomes a tradition. Oh, the sun came back because we did X, Y, Z. That's absolutely right. We're always trying to look for connections. 
So you're telling me I'm not making a difference. How many people tell you that they're just not going to listen to you anyway? <laughs> you know, and, and that's the thing is that that evidence doesn't override people's beliefs. So I can I can talk and I've done interviews like this before and, and nobody listens. Because when the team wins, they're going to say it was my lucky jersey or the things that I said to the choir that sang the national anthem. That's what made the win. So we're just easily like we're easily able to convince ourselves no matter how it goes. I guess that's we're, we're, we're gullible. Oh, we're absolutely gullible. And we're very psychologically resilient because if your team wins, you're going to say we won. And if they lose, we're going to say they lost. So we're going to take credit for their success, but we're going to distance ourselves from the failure. I don't, I don't know, Don. I can't tell you how many times where I've turned on the game where the team was winning, and then as soon as I start watching, they start losing, and you almost think, is this my fault? Yeah, we, that's absolutely what we're trying to do. And what we do is everybody's own favorite person is themselves. So we like to think we have a lot more control over the stuff that we do, and it makes us feel good about ourselves. Boy, you said so much in that last sentence. <laughs> that's, that's a conversation for another time where it's all about us. Don Saucier, Ph.D. at the University of Kansas State, Department of Psychological Sciences, Kansas State University. Get the name right, McGarry. Thank you very much, Don. We appreciate this. Thank you for having me. The Leaf and Jets fan competition rivalry will be heating up big time uh, depending on what happens in the respective series. There is a, a real love-hate relationship in a lot of people's lives with a Toronto Maple Leafs fan if you're a Jets fan and vice versa. And speaking of the Jets, what's happening just before the game? Well, tonight, just before puck drop, a popular Winnipeg Ukrainian men's choir, Hoosley, will return to sing the anthem before game two against the St. Louis Blues, and they're calling it a good luck sign. Or, Stop talking or we're about calling it. it. I'm calling it a good luck sign. The Jets are 5-0 and when Hoosley sings the anthem, but their first NHL debut was back in 2017, and our Christian O'Mell spoke with them back then with more on what that moment meant to the choir and a bit more about their singing style. When you've watched sports your whole life, as I have, national anthems start to blend together at some point. You hear it so often that the spectacle just isn't the same, especially if you're on your couch at home. But March 19th this year was different. It was a Sunday afternoon, and the Winnipeg Jets played host to the Minnesota Wild. Oh, say can you see? The Hoosley Ukrainian male chorus has been around for nearly half a century, but this was probably their biggest moment. Their performance blew away the 15,000-plus people at MTS Center. And once the NHL shared it on social media, it exploded worldwide. Christopher Sklopowicz is the chair of Hoosley's board of directors and one of the 32 men in the chorus. It was such a great boost for our guys and, and such a great boost for our image, both in our community and in Winnipeg and, and internationally as well. The number of news stations and, and online news sources in Ukraine that picked up on that story of the Jets anthem really kind of blew our minds. Obviously, relatives of ours that, that know us personally have always kind of known about us, but when we see uh, media sites in Ukraine picking up on this type of story and celebrating what uh, the Ukrainian community in Canada is doing, it's a really special feeling for us. definitely makes us remember why we joined this choir, and that's to promote and, and continue our heritage and our culture. Sklopowicz has been a part of the chorus for almost two decades and says members come from all walks of life. Ranging in age from 18 to 70. All different professions, from students to retirees and everything in between. Just a great bunch of guys, and and as cliche as it might sound, we actually are all friends, too. 
If you're wondering where the name Husli comes from, it's the name of an ancient Ukrainian instrument. The instrument creates an emotion in its sound, and that's the type of singing that we try to bring out as well. We sing in four-part male harmony, which is two tenor parts, a baritone, and a bass. One of the differences that I think people find with our style of singing, and it comes from the way that Ukrainian music is written and Ukrainian music is expressed is it's a very powerful sound. It's a very big sound. It's not something you'll find with many other choruses. It takes a lot of concentration. It takes a lot of training. We rehearse weekly to be able to have the harmonies mesh properly. It's a true testament to our conductors, both current and past, that have built that ability within us to sing together as a group. Our genre is pretty specific in that it's Ukrainian choral music. Uh, within that particular genre, there's different styles. There's fun folk songs. There's serious battle-type songs. There's fun drinking songs. And, of course, anthem. Put yourself in their shoes, down on the field in front of thousands of fans. Your heart would be racing pretty fast, wouldn't it? It's quite an amazing feeling. It's a lot of adrenaline, but it, it needs to be restrained adrenaline. When you've got upwards of 30,000 people staring at you, and you've got 31 of your best friends around you, and you've got to pull something off that's going to inspire not only the team on the field, but 30,000 people in the stands, uh, it's a pretty exciting feeling. So when you've done the last note, you've nailed the anthem, how does that feel for you guys? The immediate rush of the crowd acknowledging the performance is incredible. You almost kind of block it out for those 60 or 67 seconds that we're singing, and you're so focused on your notes, so focused on the conductor, so focused on everybody around you singing the anthem the way it's meant to be sung. And you hit that last note, and when you know you've hit it, and you just hear... Tens of thousands of people acknowledge that. You feel 20 feet tall. Christian O'Mel, Global News. Another example of the work Christian O'Mel mm. does around here and has been doing for years, a, uh, for years. A terrific story, and I can't wait to see them perform tonight. The crowd does go absolutely ballistic. For all anthems. like I, He was saying he... he um, I know they do something special, for sure, but he, Christian was saying off the top that anthems blend in, and I'm the opposite. I hate when I miss the anthem when I'm either at a game or watching, and I love every time Stacey Natras sings and she puts gives that thumbs up to the crowd during the True North or a special performance like this choir, like, I actually don't want to miss that. To me, that's such a huge part of the game. One, and just a reminder as well, that piece was not... There are a couple of dated references in there. That's a piece that Christian put together back in uh, 2017, but we just wanted you to hear it to give you some background on this extraordinary group that's going to sing tonight. And a reminder as well... Hal Anderson, by the way, Hal's Kitchen, you can qualify to win a kitchen makeover valued at $5,000 from Winnipeg Custom Countertops and Cabinetry Ooh. and Kitchens today. A $5,000 makeover? 5000 bucks, and that is up for you. So you can qualify on Hal Anderson Afternoons between 1 and 4, so make sure you're listening to the 34th greatest Canadian Do of I all qual- time. Can I qualify? Uh, no, I was just going to say Because I'm already thinking can't. of a new backsplash that I'm just, can my husband qualify? No. My child I, I don't know. <laughs> I wonder what the rules are on that. If family members, I bet I you they be, can. I, I would personally they, be outraged if if, I, if, Ryan, I, if anybody in your family won. I would uh, invite you over to gander at my new backsplash, though. <laughs> Take a gander of this, Greg. No, nope. and then I'd say, "Get out, you and your capris, get out of here." <laughs> I do not wear capris, <laughs> but I would wear my Zubas, Miami Dolphins colors, you of do- course. <gasps> Did we covered this already this morning? They were what? Miami Dolphins. 
Back in the day, sure. Miami Dolphins. I had Miami Dolphins everything. Dan Marino was my guy. I had Varnese. Remember the sunglasses? Oh, don't I? They were oh. in the in the official teal Miami Dolphin blue with the orange strings. Oh my just gosh. To, just to top it all off. You can still get Miami Dolphins Zubas right now on Amazon. Yeah, I had a jacket. I don't know if I gave it away or if I still have it in my collection of stuff. I think if I haven't given it away, it's been given away on my behalf, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mm-hmm. probably have no knowledge of, of where that is. If I buy these, will you wear up. them? <laughs> yes. This is $37 well spent. <laughs> Canadian or American? Canadian, man. Well, you already owe 25 bucks to the, uh, you will, yeah. when the Hoosley Singers come out in Jets jerseys tonight. You're going to owe St. Boniface Hospital Foundation 25 bucks That's on my fine. behalf. But if there's any Hoosley... Wi- listening and one of them wants to throw on their Ukrainian shirt, that would help me out because it has to be all or nothing. Have you ever been in a choir? Yeah, I've been the in a choir. The key is to be together. The, 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 Unless you're the star. You can't what be a rebel. What if you step out in your own outfit? Well, that, I actually that, did that for in a grade eight uh, band thing. You did exactly. not. I, well, because it was our or was a grade seven or eight. I don't know. But our first like recital slash concert, I clearly <laughs> yeah. missed the memo on the dress code. I didn't know, yeah. and I and I so I asked my parents like, "What am I supposed to wear tonight?" So at the time, I was I wore like these bright. I think I had like a pink T-shirt and and uh, this like blue and yellow shirt over top of it, and I can't remember what I think just blue jeans. And everyone else showed up wearing a white shirt and black pants. I have to this day I have no clue how I did not are know they, what to wear. Sorry, are there pictures yes, of this? Thank you. Next question. I don't know. Please call your dad and find out because I need Uh-oh. a picture of this and a picture of Kelly Moore in his platform shoes. <laughs> Smash Gordon, about. if you're listening this morning, we need a picture of this. What grade was this? Grade Eight, did you say seven or eight? Oh, we need a picture of this or anybody else who might have been in the choir and and uh, captured this travesty yeah. in in film. Well, wow! I, I will say, Smash Gordon, if there is a picture of this, burn it, Greg. I told, just told the story about how in grade seven band when I was playing clarinet, I was the only person who didn't show up in white shirt and black pants. I was wearing like a pink T-shirt and blue jeans. I don't know what. I looked like an idiot. You have a similar story. Well, I don't want you to be out on the ledge by yourself, bud. In grade six, I had one of my friends. Come up to me. I'd gotten a new pair of jeans, been wearing them quite proudly for about four days, and finally my buddy Tim came up to me and says, Mackling, you know those are girls' jeans, right? <laughs> I said, What do you mean they're girls' jeans? There's no pockets on the back. Went home, confronted my mother, she confessed to trying to save a few bucks. <laughs> Is that oh still a God. thing? Like, do you know if there's, if no pockets still mean girls' jeans? I have no idea, but I'll tell you what, I'll never ever wear a pair of pants without back pockets again. <laughs> I have been at one event in my lifetime where the MC, the DJ, the entertainer, whatever you'd like to call him, and our next guest calls himself all three of those things amongst other things. He's up for Entrepreneur of the Year Award at the Winnipeg Nightlife Awards, which we will be uh, proudly emceeing ourselves. So the pressure is on, guys. Barry Kay is here in the studio. He'll be there Friday night at the Met Theater and... The only time, and I've been to dozens if not hundreds of events over the years, the only time I've ever seen the 
Dance floor packed at the beginning of festivities was when this man was in control of the entertainment at the <laughs> Research uh, 30 R30 awesome. celebration for St. Boniface Hospital's Albertson Research Center a couple summers ago. Barry, great to uh, sit down with you. Thank you so much. It's a real pleasure to be with you guys. And what a way to start off the weekend with a party. Yeah. Right here. And we're all Love in it. that party mood, I think. That's awesome. So when when you, uh, is there a secret to being this guy that gets everybody going? Like we always want to say it's a the right song or the right choice or the right attitude, but sometimes there's just something missing when you get to certain events. Uh, you know, growing up, I've always been very musical. I have an ear for music. Um, I have this really neat gift that allows me to uh, not only read a crowd, but um, in a very, very quick moment, um, pick up on someone's personality and their vibe. And I just Pull it out of pull it out of a hat. I mean, I I'm, have a lot of experience with the different eras of music and sound effects and and personality techniques that I'm just able to make a connection almost instantly and literally get get people to do on the dance floor whatever I want them to do. You have a very small window, though, in terms yes. of when you shift from the speeches and the formal part of the evening to the fun part of the evening and getting people engaged as opposed to them scattering for the bar because they haven't had a drink in a while. How do you, how do you make sure that one doesn't interfere with the other? Well, you know the old saying, they always say timing is everything. And, um, you know, over the years, we've developed how we do things. And the most important thing is uh, being wearing the event director hat because we, we do that at events. I'm a very big integral part of the flow of the evening. Um, I'll coach the, the MC or the CEO or whoever's doing the talking that when the formalities are done, typically they would say, and that's it for the formalities. The bar is open. The photo booth is open. Have a good time. And people scatter. And what we do is we give them a little direction where instead of taking that approach, they'll go back to the mic and they'll say, all right, everyone, we're ready for something exciting. Here's Barry Kay. Or we transition into we have these really cool intro videos that really captivate people. And then we just take over the night. And it's pretty amazing to watch it unfold. Um, one of the big things is when I try to explain this to my clients Sometimes they'll be a little, you know, they'll be a little skeptical. They'll say, you're going to get everyone in the room up on the dance floor like that. And it ain't going to happen. And I always smile and I go, challenge accepted. And then they're standing there watching this whole thing unfold. You were at the R30 Gala, so you saw that. And I love it when I hear people say, well, I don't dance or I don't participate. And then you see them on the Mm -hmm. dance floor laughing and having fun and excited. And, uh, you know, that's what it's all about for me. It makes me feel really good. So you're nominated for Entrepreneur of the Year. They've made the finals for the Winnipeg Nightlife and Lifestyle Awards. So tell us a little bit about, I'm looking at the website right now, Cherry Tree Productions. Yes. Uh, You know, it started uh, in my parents' basement in a spare bedroom. It was a telephone number hooked up to an answering machine. And 29 years later, here we are today, and I'm so proud of it. We do, uh, I get flown to Calgary, Vancouver, Regina, and all over Western Canada to MC and host events. Of course, I love being here in Winnipeg, and I love doing events here. Uh, the company just evolved, and I, I really believe the key for me is everything I do is personality-driven, uh, if you can't tell, I'm a pretty shy person. Uh, and uh, creating the energy, personality, energy, and really being able to adapt on the fly. Um, when you're in a room with 40 people, it's a lot different approach than you're in a room with 
500 people or 1,000 people or 15 or whatever, um, you know, the, the lower amount of people at an event, the harder I have to work um, because it's not only a matter of getting them up once or twice. You have to entertain them for two and a half, three hours. It's also, I think, an underrated uh, profession in the sense that it's not just about the music. You're really like I, I've been at weddings or emceed weddings or been in the wedding party where you turn to the DJ to answer all these questions that you don't know yourself. Like this computer's not working. The presentation's not going to run. Do you have an extra cord? Do you know what? what's your advice on should we do the drinks now or should we do the drinks later? Because it is so important to the people in that room for it to go well that you're the one that they would turn to for that expertise. Absolutely. And I've experienced that many, many times where someone will walk in with their laptop, they'll have a video presentation, and they'll have forgotten the the cord. And I usually have some tricks in my my kit. So we'll have a 50-foot VGA cord or an HDMI cable. Uh, The times have changed, though. That's going back quite a few years. Now, when we meet with clients, we cover all of that and every little detail that could possibly come up in an event. We talk about that. So if there's going to be a video or anything, specialty sound effects, whatever, we I basically take control of that. Like this robotic tiger I'm reading about. (laughs) There's like a review on here saying how great you are. And he also helped us get this robotic tiger for a grant. I'm just wondering what the heck that's about. So this is... (laughs) funny. This is a life-size robot tiger. And I met with a bride and her future mother-in-law. And going through the process of something unique for their wedding, uh, the future mother-in-law had mentioned, you know, we're doing a Lion King theme. And immediately I thought, I knew there was this tiger around and I was considering purchasing it, which we now it's part of sure, our it's not? part of our resources <laughs> and they had a 4-year-old daughter and they wanted to do something special for her and it just came out just in the conversation and the creative juices flowing and just listening to what they wanted to do to create this special moment for this little girl and of course everyone in the audience so we walked in with this tiger when we pulled up we unloaded it from my trailer in the parking lot and people are standing there with their like this is a full life-size tiger <laughs> we walked it through the lobby of the hotel and lo and behold the little four-year-old girl rode in she was introduced and the bride and groom followed unfortunately nobody paid attention to the bride and groom this girl was on fire and they were screaming yeah Yeah. and there's video there's pictures on the cherry tree website and there's a video clip too but um you know that's what it's all about creating those magical unique experiences that you just don't see every day. Barry, we've got to let you go here real quick, but i got to ask you, we had uh, spoken last year to the couple who happened upon, or Paul McCartney, Sir Paul McCartney, happened upon them when they were doing their wedding photos, and we interviewed them, Brett and I, here on CJOB, and they told us that, well, we actually had express instructions to our DJ, no Eagles and no Beatles (laughs) for the wedding. So I found that fascinating. Are the no-go requests as fascinating as the must-play requests? For me, not so much as uh, you would think on average. We do have the clients create a playlist of some of their favorite songs. I want to know who their favorite artists are. I want to know some of their top favorite songs. Uh, Very rarely, we do get a few of do not plays, but very rarely these days, they, when we get hired to come into an event, uh, once the client has uh, expressed their vision and we've talked about the creativity and how we're going to execute the party, it is 100% in our hands to, they trust us, we're, you know, we're professional, we execute the event like 
exactly how they want it. But would you say no when I say living on a prayer by Bon Jovi, please? I will get that on next for you. Thank you. Because I've had a lot of no's on that one. One time was in a tiki bar, so I see where they were coming from. It wasn't a tiki quality music, but still. I'll tell you one very cool thing. When I get a request in the moment, uh, what's really interesting is I believe the music creates emotion and energy in the room. And sometimes when you get a situation like that where the DJ may be playing some top 40 music and you come up and ask for a song that's not in that genre, he'll say, oh, yeah, I'll get it on for you. And then, of course, sometimes it gets on, sometimes it doesn't. Um, with me, whenever someone comes up and asks for a song, like, honestly, this is amazing. They'll ask for a song that goes exactly with what we're playing right here, right now. So I'm able to say, you know what? That's going on next. And they're so happy because how many times you just mentioned, but how many times have you requested a song at a, at a social or an event and, and you never hear the song? I mm-hmm. mean, it's just it, it it's just it's a catastrophe. I'm still <laughs> blown away that uh, this is not a top 40 song living on the prayer. I'm going to have to look that up. There is still top, not a top 40. There's a remix version of it. <laughs> oh, my God. Loren McNabb. What year is that song from? I don't know, 80s. It's got to be 80s, late 80s. I'm joking. I'm Barry, kind of joking. And Barry, before we let you go, you have some roots right here at CJOB, do you not? That's right. I used to do the Saturday, Sunday mornings on weekends right here on uh, CJOB. It was Did really awesome. Did you invent Kids Riddles? or uh, I took over Kids Riddles <laughs> and uh, from Don Curtin, which, I mean, he did an awesome job. No kidding. Um, what was really neat was we do a lot of bar and bat mitzvah parties and uh, where the kids are... The girls are 12, the boys are 13. And what I would do is I would have every Saturday we'd be doing a bar mitzvah. So I'd have the, the kid phone me and I would take them on air with me and we would do kids riddles together. It was pretty brilliant. funny. Absolutely yeah. I love it. Brilliant. Cherry Tree Productions is the website. Barry Kay is his name. He is a finalist at the Winnipeg Nightlife and Lifestyle Awards and Entrepreneur of the Year. The awards are next Friday Thank at you the Met. So much. Mackling McGarry McNabb are hosting the event. If you want more information on tickets, WNLA.ca is the website. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.